Welcome to The Rot Focus, a podcast for rotters, newbies, and veterans, and everyone in between. We're hosted by M.A. Lee with the assistance of Remy Black and Edie Runes, all from Rotters Inc. Books. Our focus is productivity, process, craft, and tools. Each episode lasts as long as it takes to fix a quick dinner, drive a short commute, or take a brisk walk. Resources and links are in the show notes. Visit us at therockfocus.blogspot.com. Now, on to this week's episode. Welcome to The Rock Focus. My guest today is Jane Slovin, and she's going to tell us about her books. So please do that, Jane. Okay. Well, um, let me tell you about Termination of Benefits, which is my first mystery. Okay. And um, I'll tell you a little bit about how I decided to write it. I'm a lover of mysteries. Mm-hmm. Actually, I'm a lover of books, <laughs> almost any kind. Um, and I love mysteries. And I, I love mysteries that are um, about problem solving and about relationships. Mm-hmm. And I particularly love um, mysteries that have female protagonists. Yeah. So um, although I started, I think my love of mysteries, well, with Nancy Drew, like so many yeah. people did, yeah. right? And um, uh, when I was in law school, Sherlock Holmes stories helped me tolerate the tedium of some <laughs> of my legal classes. So um, anyway, I, I thought I would write a mystery and um, it took me a very long time to finish this book from the time that I started it. So I wanted to write about relationships about psychotherapists, because that Mm -hmm. was my long-term career. I was a clinical social worker. And I wanted to also write about how, about trauma. Ah. Because um, I did a lot of work as a psychotherapist with Mm -hmm. folks who had traumas, either the big T traumas or the small T traumas. Mm -hmm. And Mysteries are a lot about trauma, really. Yeah. Someone getting murdered, and then what happens to the, what happens to that person before the murder, if you have that in the in the book, and what happens to the people around the victim um, afterwards. I so get I so irritated when I read a mystery that's in a series, and the main character keeps finding dead bodies, and it never affects them. Exactly. So, yes. Exactly. Yes. Because that's uh, that's a one-sided character. Yes. It's exactly. not a full. Uh, it's not a fully developed character. Right. And so um, I wanted to write using some of my knowledge from the years that I did uh, a legal practice. Yes. And a lot of that time was really working in um, law reform work with victims of juvenile crime and with juvenile offenders. Mm -hmm. And then I did traditional practice. Then I left law and went to get a social work degree. (laughs) So um, I wanted to incorporate some of the legal things I knew. And I wanted to incorporate what I knew about psychotherapy and look at psychotherapists from both sides of the couch. what it's like to be in your office working with clients. And so termination of benefits has scenes that take place in my, in my main characters 
um, therapy practice. And my main wow. character is named Sarah Green. Mm-hmm. And um, she was an attorney who jettisoned her legal practice after her very close friend and colleague was murdered by a client she was defending who, and that client was originally um, assigned to Sarah. So she jettisoned her legal career, fell into a depression, moved to Maine from Boston. I did that. I didn't fall into a depression. I didn't have anyone get murdered, but um, I did move from, from, Boston to Portland, Maine. And um, so did my character. And, um, and then my character became a clinical social worker. So um, let's see, in this mystery, um, managed care is something that takes predominance as well. Uh-huh. I, I think people know what managed care is. It's the, uh, it's the insurance company that tells you how many therapy sessions you can have um, and requires your therapist to submit reports and it also may deny benefits will take care of the problem you know excuse me at at least well the the insurance thing six meetings will take care of the problem that's right sometimes does not that's exactly right and when I started my clinical practice um there were no managed care companies in Maine. <laughs> so therapists could see who they wanted for however long they wanted mm-hmm. and do the work in the way that they considered best. Yes. And at a certain point, managed care companies came to Maine and sort of wagged a long finger and said, we're going to tell you now how many sessions you can have with your clients and what you can do in those sessions. And you're going to give us all sorts of information about your clients. And I'm, I didn't like that very much. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't like the lack of confidentiality and yeah. I didn't want somebody else telling me how I was going to work with my clients. Yeah. You know, there are some, there were some good ideas about managed care when it first came in, but in a way it put a stranglehold on, on how clinicians practiced. Well, it, it turns into away, a bureaucracy. That's right. It took away yeah. autonomy. Exactly. So at the time that I was developing the ideas for termination of benefits, I wanted to kill off somebody and manage care. (laughs) (laughs) It gave me great pleasure to contemplate that. (laughs) And so that was one of my goals. And another goal was to have, um, you know, these relationships among women. And also I love romance. So Mm -hmm. there was romance here. And um, what else can I tell you? I'm terrible at doing those elevator pitches. So <laughs> I'm going to read from the back of my book. And this is a oh, pretty good Yes, that will work. Show okay. us the cover. Show us um, the cover. Here's the cover. Okay, great. And um, I did get some terrific reviews, including mm-hmm. a, a good Kirkus review, which later oh, I figured out was, was hard to get. Mm-hmm. So um, here's my uh, here's my little blurb. Therapist Sarah Green is skilled at helping her counseling clients untangle their emotional dilemmas, but doesn't do so well with her own problems. Uh-huh. And she's got big ones. Ghostly visits from a murdered friend and frightening oh. flashbacks. <laughs> then a psychopath starts stalking Maine's counseling community, and Sarah struggles to separate past trauma from present danger. 
while I've juggling. Got cold chills. I've got cold chills. That blurb is giving me cold chills. Okay. While juggling an ex-husband hot to reconcile and the attentions of a sexy detective, Sarah, <laughs> gotta have one of those. Sarah, Sarah joins forces with a take no prisoners defense attorney, a top-notch private eye, both women, and her office mate Louise to catch the killer. When the next life in peril is her own, Sarah realizes she's stronger than she thinks and welcomes unexpected assistance from this world and the next. Ooh, I love that. I love that. And where can we find that book? Is it on Amazon? Is it widely distributed? It is Barnes on Amazon and it is, um, uh, it is a, it's on Kindle as well. Okay. okay. And um, it can be ordered through my publisher, Maine Authors Publishing, and they are okay. in Thomaston, Maine. And it can okay. be ordered through any indie bookstore in Maine. Okay. Okay, great, great. I hope you will send me the link uh, to to the the main bookstore thing. I um, will, and, and to I'll my website. The, I'll put that in the show notes. Okay, great. Okay, That's now great. how did you go through the process? You, you said that it took you a long time to write the book. Was it uh, a long time because you were also working at the same time? Because my first book took me a long time to write, but I was working at the same time. And it, it was uh, a tinkering for me at the beginning. And then all of a sudden, it took hold of me and I couldn't let it go. And so then I started really devoting myself to writing constantly, consistently on it. So how, how did, what was your particular long time reason for writing Termination of Benefits? Well, here's how it happened. I had these ideas. I wanted to have four female friends work on this together. So right. my mm -hmm. protagonist, her office mate, the PI, and the attorney. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I got Lyme disease. Oh, no. And I couldn't sleep. Mm -hmm. So I took these ideas and I would go up to my third floor and this house that I lived in at the time. <laughs> if I couldn't sleep there, I would be from one in the morning until three in the morning sitting at my computer. And um, I just wrote. And the story itself came out in, a, in about three to four months. Right. The whole story. I just sat at the keyboard. What was so much fun about this was that I had no idea who the murderer was. I really didn't know what was going to happen from one moment to the next. So I would sit at the computer at my laptop and I would be inside the mystery while I was writing the mystery. Oh, that's wonderful. It was so exhilarating. Yeah. And, and it was a wonderful way to tolerate that this illness. Right. And so after I finished it, oh, I had a neighbor who was just wonderful and I would bring her my pages <laughs> the day after, you know, I, in the morning, I'd bring them over to Connie and she'd read them and tell me what she thought. And um, then I sent it to a mentor, someone I'd known for a long time, who was a professional writer. Uh -huh. He had Michael Castleman. He's out in San Francisco. He has a, a mystery series. He's also written all sorts of health books and he's a writer by profession. Not like mm -hmm. me. I meandered through professions, law, <laughs> social work, writing. Um, 
so I sent it to Michael and he was very kind. Um, <laughs> he wrote very humorous notes and like, we know Jane, we know, we know because I was so repetitive. Um, and then said, all writing is revision. Ah. And, and that was wonderful because he didn't say, go bury this in your yard, burn it, forget about it. He just said, all writing is revision. And um, this is what's good. And these are the things you need to learn. So mm -hmm. I um, took that, that manuscript and I used it as a template to learn wow. how to write. Mm -hmm. And I started taking classes. And I'm a member of Main Writers and Publishers yeah. Alliance. And mm -hmm. they're wonderful. So I took courses, you know, 10 week courses with them. And I took weekend workshops and mm -hmm. evening workshops. And I read incessantly. So even, even though I was working, I, I, I always read and I'm retired now. I've been retired mm -hmm. for, for 12 years actually. Um, and I'm a fast reader. Yes. So there are many ways to learn how to write, but a lot of really good writers recommend reading as a way to yes. learn how to write because you pick up stuff through osmosis. Yes. Um, so I, I had to learn how to set a scene, how to start mm -hmm. a chapter and end a chapter, right. how to create an arc of the story, mm -hmm. how to write dialogue. Mm -hmm. um, and I had someone who was a consultant for me initially um, named Mark Chimsky, who is a playwright who mm -hmm. used to work, I believe, at, um, he was at a big publishing company. I think it was HarperCollins, but I might be wrong about that. Um, and now he's a private consultant. He moved to Maine and he consults with writers and he writes screenplays um, and musicals. So Mark helped me initially and it was really great to have his his feedback because he said this this is a book that's worth continuing to work on this wow. is a good you have a good solid basis here and he recommended that I that I join a writer's group wow. mm -hmm. so I found a writer's group and um, that was my first writer's group and I worked on the book with them mm -hmm. and then I had another writer's group and I worked on the book with them <laughs> and I kept taking classes and I mm -hmm. worked on the book with my teachers. Mm -hmm. um, one of the places I also took classes was through the University of New England, mm -hmm. um, Portland campus. They have a library of Maine women writers. They have a wow. collection, the mm -hmm. Maine women writers collection, and they teach writing classes. And mm -hmm. that was wonderful because it was prompt based classes and each of those prompts was designed to help you work on something like setting a scene or wow. creating characters or description. Plot. Right. So mm -hmm. that was lovely. I had wonderful teachers there and, and lovely, uh, a lovely community of writers. Mm -hmm. um, so that was really helpful too. Um, and I just kept working on the book. So Lyme disease for me was multiple infections, not just Lyme disease, but there are right. co-infections. People do not realize how terrible Lyme disease can be. They don't really. It was disabling. Right. Yes. So when I first started treatment, I really had to stop work. I had mm -hmm. about three months. I couldn't see clients. I, I could barely mm -hmm. get out of bed. And, um, and then I regained my health 
but I had, I would relapse. So I would have relapses along the way. And um, that's part of why it took so long for me to finish the book. Mm-hmm. Because uh, there was no straight line for me. Wow. Um, and I don't think I actually finished it until I stopped working. Right. Mm-hmm. And then I focused on it. And at the same time that I was working to finish termination of benefits, I was in, um, I think I was in another writing group at that time. Um, I was also working on another book, um, wow. which, is, which was titled Compassionate Journey, Honoring Our Mother's Stories. Wow. And that is um, an anthology of essays by five women, including me. Mm-hmm. And we worked collaboratively for about five years to write our essays about our mothers. And Mm -hmm. that book looked at our mothers um, from the perspective of all the forces that formed them, social, political, economic, religious, what, how, how those forces created the women that they became and then how that impacted their mothering of us. And the times, um, because that was before the women's movement. Uh, yes. Okay. Yes. I'm, I'm about to turn 71 this summer. So <laughs> a different era. Um, and those book, and so that book also has writing prompts uh-huh. um, for other people that might want to write about their mothers. That, that was a very powerful um that book had a powerful impact on people that read it. Mm-hmm. Um, it. It's not in print anymore, although oh. I, still, I still have copies and people can get it through my website. Mm-hmm. Um, that book came out a month after termination of benefits. Ah. So it came mm-hmm. out at the same time. Yeah. Um, what else do you want to ask me about? Okay. How did you, when you finally finished the book, did you get an agent or did you go straight to a publishing house? How did you get it published? Great question. So I was in a long relapse mm-hmm. with um, tick-borne illness. Multi-year. Mm-hmm. I was really um, disabled by fatigue. And um, I started querying which is writing a query letter, Mm -hmm. sending it out to agents, writing a summary, writing a (laughs) synopsis. I would rather have to learn. That's right. And I would rather write 200 pages of a novel than write a (laughs) synopsis. So I know from your, I know from listening to your podcast that you have a very sharp analytical mind. And thank you. It's, it's so clear from how you describe the writing process. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that at some point when I was practicing law, I must have had an analytical mind, <laughs> <laughs> but it's no longer with me. <laughs> so I did that querying and um, I had um, one, I, one or two or maybe three agents that asked for the whole manuscript. One agent who asked for the whole manuscript who was, She's very well known in New York. Lovely, lovely, lovely woman. And she was just so kind to me. She said um, that she said, you write like a dream. Now, to get that kind of feedback from an agent, just 
That's phenomenal. That, that just is phenomenal. It made everything worthwhile. Mm -hmm. um, but she asked whether this was a standalone mystery or did I intend for it to be part of a series? Mm -hmm. And I said, well, I intend for it to be part of a series, but I have to be honest that I'm just coming out of a very long relapse with Lyme disease. And mm -hmm. I can't promise that I can put out a book a year. This is my first book. And wow. I, I can't commit to that. And mm -hmm. she said, I'd love to take you on, but I can't, I can't take on a first time writer with a standalone mystery. And I appreciated her honesty and she appreciated mine. Uh -huh. You know, some people said to me, oh, you shouldn't have said that. <laughs> you should have just said you could, you could, you know, put out the books. And I thought, I no. Honesty is a better reputation than hiding the truth. I think so too, all the time. And it, I just, there was no way I could be unethical right. about that. And I also wouldn't want to put myself in a position where I wasn't able to meet a commitment that I made. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. So um, I, I thought about it and I thought if that's what this agent is telling me, then that's what the story is going to be. I'm going to need to go a different way. Mm -hmm. And I could have just gone with a strict self-publishing route, but <clears throat> that felt overwhelming to me. Yes. First time mm -hmm. author. Well, you just spent years learning the writing process, basically, and synopsis and summaries and blurb and all those that exactly. you've learned so much um very few people want to take on the next step which is publishing exactly it's i don't think anybody realizes and i certainly didn't how much is involved here yeah. it mm -hmm. is very complex these days so I did have an editor who worked with me and he was, he's the brother of Michael Castleman was the, the uh, writer who yes. mentored me and his yes. brother, David or Deke, he did editing. So he edited termination of benefits for me. And he was a great editor. He really helped me with some aspects of the book. He, he, um, he could have guided me through self-publishing, but I still felt it was too much. And so I bounced some ideas off of, off of Deke and off of Michael. And then I submitted um, the book to She Writes. Do you know She Writes Press? No, I don't, but I can so investigate. <laughs> they're, a, they're a phenomenal uh, publishing company and mm -hmm. they're by women for women. Mm -hmm. And... Um, they were just getting started. Maybe they were a year into it. They, the, the women who run that, they were publishing professionals from the publishing mm -hmm. world. And um, they accepted the book. And I was considering going with them, but it, the, you really, if you wanted to have your book out there with them, you needed to pay a publicist. And the amount of money for a publicist was far beyond my means. Mm -hmm. um, so I decided to go with a hybrid publishing company, Maine Authors Publishing, mm -hmm. Thomas in Maine. And so one pays them for uh, a line editor for right. the cover design, which you're going to do anyway. You have to mm -hmm. pay for it no matter who's going to do it. Yes. Um, and um, they 
print the, they have the books printed and then they have all sorts of services that are part of what you get. It's really, it's a, they've moved into more of a cooperative um, right. now. They were a cooperative to begin with, but it's even more a cooperative now. Mm-hmm. So they have a salesperson. Um, they set up all sorts of fairs and help you. They, they go to fairs and festivals with a booth and you can you know, pay a nominal amount to have your book there and to be there to sign. Um, And they help you with all sorts of things. They're, they're an amazing um, hybrid company, but the one thing they don't do is they don't put you on Ingram and Ingram is the national distributor of books. So she writes, everything would be on Ingram. Mm -hmm. And, um, but main authors publishing doesn't. However, they were phenomenal. All sorts of workshops on how to market your book connections with other authors how to approach libraries, how to do readings. Um, they do an amazing job. And, and there are, they're just wonderful, wonderful authors who publish through Maine Authors Publishing. So there's a, a community of support. And they also are very connected to independent bookstores in Maine. Right. So I mean, that's who I went with. Other workshops <laughs> about Excuse talking. Me? I need to take some of their workshops about approaching libraries and things of that sort. Yes, they're terrific that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've stayed with them and, um, and also Compassionate Journey, we decided to go with, um, with Maine Authors Publishing wow. as well. Mm-hmm. Um, we queried that book and we, um, we sent in book proposals for that book, but all of us were of a certain age. <laughs> so, you know, that's another issue. You're 65 or older. And, mm-hmm. you know, how many years are you going to spend querying agents trying to get your book published? Even if it's picked up by an agent, then it's going to take a while for somebody to, yes. for a publishing house to pick it up. Then it's going to take a while for something to be published. If you want to put it out there, sometimes the best thing to do is self-publish or go with a hybrid publisher or, or, or a small independent press. Right. Now, you've got Termination of Benefits published. Are you working on any other writing? Yes. So I just finished my sequel. Okay, great. Um, And uh, I'm so excited about this book. So I wanted to write about trauma and its resolution and weave that into a great mystery. The other thing I did with Termination Benefits, as you understood from the summary, is that it's got paranormal aspects. So I I also have training in esoteric healing modalities, Uh one in particular. And, and, and in those trainings worked with a lot of people who were clairvoyant and who, and you learn in these trainings to work on those kinds of skills. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to make that a part of, of termination of benefits as well. My main character has a lineage from both sides of her family of clairvoyance and in termination of benefits, one of the one of the plot points is her struggle with not wanting to feel like she's crazy because wow. she has these awarenesses or these conversations with her dead friend, but yes. also recognizing that, wow, there's information here that's mm-hmm. important and mm-hmm. and um and necessary to pay attention to. So I right. wove that through the book and that was so much fun. Um, Do you have a title for that book? For the second book? 
Yes. The second book is um, Fragment of Doubt. Okay. Oh, I like that. Fragment of Doubt. And when do you think it will achieve publication? Well, that's a good question. So let me tell you one thing about this. Lyme disease is part of this book. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> so I've woven a lot of information and it's part of the plot mm-hmm. and, um, and it's very suspenseful. So um, I don't know yet because here's the thing. Um, I also am about a third of the way through a prequel. Right. Now, normally people write their first book, their second book and their third book, right? Yes. Just like That's- most people don't, start out life as a lawyer, become a social worker, and then become a writer. But, oh, well, I never knew in high school what I wanted to be. And, um, and that should be helpful for anybody who's struggling with the career path. It can be circuitous, and that's fine. Mm -hmm. Um, So I didn't do it that way. I wrote the book I wanted to write. And then I thought, oh, I have this sequel that I want to write. And then I thought, oh, I want to write a prequel. I want to write about my characters before termination of benefits. So I'm in process with that too. And I think that I may take some time to finish the prequel. I write faster than I did before, right? Mm -hmm. Um, It's not going to take me 10 years to finish this book. Um, And I have a fabulous writing group now, just a terrific group of other writers. Um, So I think I may wait until the prequel is done and then put both of put the prequel and the sequel out at the same time. Right. But in the meantime, I'll be querying and looking at other ways of publishing. Now, did you write Fragment of a Doubt um, in two hour segments um, every session? Or did you follow a different procedure in your writing process? What a great question, Emily. So I was listening again to some of your um, podcasts about writing. And I thought, gosh, I wish I could do an outline. (laughs) I've I've always wished I could do a book outline, but I can't. And when I try to do that, I feel hemmed in and a little claustrophobic. So for me, it's a, I'm a, I'm a pantser, seat of the pants writer. And, um, and I write, I binge write. That's what I do. So Uh I sit down and I get going and I may write for four hours and forget that I need to get up and walk around and stretch. (laughs) Um, And then, then I'll stop for a while. And Sometimes if I'm stuck on a plot point, I'll ask before bed for some inspiration. And I did that with um, Fragment of Doubt. And I woke up at two in the morning with an entire chapter. I had to get out of bed and write the chapter because it was all there. Mm-hmm. And the, the one thing that was complicated about it was that I had a character behaving in a way that I would never consciously have had him behave. And I thought to myself, this is not what I wanted to have happen in this book. I didn't want this character to do this, but I don't have a choice here. This is this character telling me that this is what they're doing. Um, So sometimes inspiration strikes it, you know, in the middle of the night. Um, And when I thought I was finished with Fragment of Doubt, 
I I went through it with my writing group and they they gave me great feedback. Mm -hmm. And then I went through it with um, Deke Castleman and he loved the book. And that's always really nice when the person who's <laughs> editing your book gives you great feedback about it. Um, but after I went through all of his, um, his edits, I wrote him back and said, you know, one of the things I asked you about was I think that this plot is a little too straightforward. Termination of benefits, it's very hard for anybody to figure out who the murderer is. It's uh -huh. really twisty. Uh -huh. And Fragment of Doubt was a little too straightforward. Right. So um, he said, I forgot, I have a bunch of notes about this. So he sent me some notes. Uh -huh. and I sat with those notes for a week and a half or two weeks because I needed to have those things marinate. Uh -huh. And I let them marinate. And then boom, I was, I got it. I got down in front of my laptop and da 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 da. Took me a couple of hours and I braided in multiple other plot points. Uh -huh. So that's the way I write. It's okay. not the most efficient, <laughs> but it's, it's pleasurable. And I have to say my writing group was very helpful too, because I, you know, every second month or third, I think it was every second month I had to, you know, it was my turn was up and, you know, there, I had about 20 pages to present. Mm -hmm. And so if I was lollygagging, I know that's an old fashioned word, but it really fits here. Um, if I was lollygagging, then um, I had that deadline. I've never seen myself as a procrastinator, but I don't want to feel pressured in my writing. I want it to be pleasurable. I'm 70. You know, I don't, I don't need to be a taskmaster for myself or have anybody else be doing that for me. I, I remember Leah Waite, who is a main mystery writer who passed away. What was it a year or two ago? Um, she she's part of the uh, main crime right. She was part of the main crime writers community and they have a blog. And uh -huh. I remember one of her blogs really impacted me. Um, because she wrote about the pressure she was under constantly uh -huh. to provide the next book and provide the next book and provide the next book. And she wrote about how she wasn't, she wasn't sure she would recommend that for other writers, uh -huh. you know, that that was, she had publishers and that was the way it went. And I was on the fence about how to go what direction to go in myself and her words had a lot of import for me i think because i, I taught for 30 years and right i had looked forward to writing that whole time and tinkered with writing toward the end of my career and the one thing that i know that is most important is that i want to have so much joy in what i'm currently doing because Pursuing the joy is more important than any long-term goal or anything. Now, the long-term, pursuing the joy happens to match my long-term goal. So that's handy. But yes. if ever what I'm doing is not fun anymore, I, I know I'm going to drop it out because I, I don't need, need it um, and just pursue something else. Um, it's like coming up with these interviews. 
um, I thought I should do interviews. And then I hesitated and hesitated and hesitated. And then I put the, the word out. I dared myself to put the word out. And I was overwhelmed with the number of people who wanted to, to do an interview. Um, and so this, this has been fun because I'm learning lots of things. Um, now, how did you find your critique groups? Because you said you were involved in one and then another one. Um, my first group, very interesting. So Mark Chimsky, who was my consultant at the time, this is way back, I'm going way back here, um, said, you really, Jane, you shouldn't be paying me. You need a writing group. Mm -hmm. And within a week, I was at a birthday party for somebody. <laughs> and I was talking to some of the people there. And one of the women said, I'm writing a mystery. And I'm, I'm just about to set up a writing group. Why don't you be part of it? And so that's how that writing group came into being. And then um, it had sort of a natural end point, that particular wow. writing group. Mm -hmm. And then I, the next one was created through the Maine Women Writers Collection at the University wow. of New England. I was taking a class and um, a couple of other women and I, um, started a writing group. And um, let's see, I had another one with two women, both of whom were getting their masters uh, and MFAs at Stone Coast right. uh, Writers. What is it? At the Stone Coast program, an MFA program. They were fabulous. Um, uh, they were just fabulous people to work with in a writing group. And then this writing group that I've been in for now four or five years developed out of a class that I took on mystery writing through Maine Writers and Publishers Alliance. Dick Cass, who's a mystery writer, was teaching that class. Mm -hmm. And it was a great group of people. It wasn't as many people as they normally have in a class. It was a smaller group, but he went ahead with the teaching. Fabulous, fabulous people in that writing group. And I think um, there are, so there are, maybe there are six of us. I can't count at the moment, but I'm pretty sure there are six of us in this writing group. And I think the class might've had seven or eight people. Uh -huh. And the six of us decided that we wanted to continue writing together. And it's a, it's a really fabulous group. Um, everyone gives great feedback. People have different orientations. Some people are as analytical as you are with the way that they look at things. Uh -huh. um, and some people have come in with other perspectives. And this has been the best writing group. Well, yeah, good. everybody's producing wonderful books. In this past, oh, six to eight months, everybody has, uh, we've been reading each other's entire manuscripts because uh -huh. During the time we've been working together, everybody's produced a manuscript or, and is in their second. So <laughs> um, it's a great group. And that's, that's how I found it sort of naturally. Wow. Um, when you're taking classes or workshops, you meet other writers and you know who you want to write with. Thanks for listening to The Rock Focus, a podcast for writers at all levels, hosted by Emma Lee from Writers Inc. Books, assisted by Remy Black and Edie Runes. Our focus is productivity, process, 
craft and tools. Music is licensed through Audio Jungle called Background Music Loop. Its creator is Alexander Polishchuk, known on Audio Jungle as Plastic 3. The music comes in different iterations. Show notes and resource links for this and other episodes can be found at therightfocus.blogspot.com. Write to us at winkbooks at aol.com when you have questions, comments, and speculations. We will try to answer you as quickly as possible. By the way, we will not mind your email address. That's rude. If you find value in our content, share with your writing friends or write a review. We're small beans here without the advertising budget of the big peeps, and you can make a difference. And whatever occurs, right on.